Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Office supplies at huge savings? Yeah, Digitex does that. D I G I T E X dot C A on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Welcome back, everybody. It's 1234 at Edmonton. Hope you're having a uh, fantastic Friday. Bob Stoffer and Brendan Escott with you. Again, we've got Bill Daly uh, coming up uh, today at 105. From the National Hockey League, but we are pleased to be joined as we are every Friday for the River Creek Resort and Casino by NHL Hockey on Rogers, Elliot Friedman. Hello, Elliot. How are you? I'm good, Bob. How are you doing? Not bad. Not bad. You got your master's yet on uh, COVID-19 statistics? No, but I'm sure you'll give it to me. No, no, no. That's that's okay. It's all right. One positive test in 24 hours in Edmonton, over uh, 1,200 tests administered. I'm glad to hear it for the, safety, a, of the, that, the safety of the people. That's we can use some positive thing. news once in a while, yeah. you know what I mean? It's been challenging. Yeah. Elliot, the first thing I want to address, we've got Bill Daly coming up, who, yeah. for the listeners that, I mean, I think most of the listeners to a show called Oilers Now know that Bill, you know Bill's the deputy commissioner of the league. He's the second most yeah. powerful man in the, of the National Hockey League. Um there was a report today from Larry Brooks yeah. for, from the New York Post saying that the players, and I'm paraphrasing here, but the players don't want to go into play-down sites or for specific locations. They'd rather play in their home cities. No, well, um, I think it's a bit more than that, Bob. I go think for that it. they don't want to go into four play-down sites. For, you know, for example, if you go play for the Stanley Cup, you could be in them for three months. And right. actually, if you add if you add a uh, training camp to that, it could be closer to four. So they don't want to be away from their families for that amount of time. And um, as a matter of fact, I think one of the things that's being considered, I'm not sure it's actually going to happen. I think it's just, you know, they're figuring this all out is how much it would cost to quarantine the families with the players. Is that possible? What's the wow. cost? Um, but, you know, there's no guarantee. But I think, but when I say that, I'm saying that because I think they're considering every option. Yeah. So what? one of the options is what if you just quarantine the people who are traveling with the team? And yep. I think another option is what if you offer their families to come too and you quarantine them as well so Elliot, one of the things, all of those things are being discussed sorry my apologies for cutting you off there uh one of the things that has to happen is we have to buy this by whenever if we if we're fortunate enough to get started up again yeah there has to be quick testing devices agreed yes the mm-hmm. testing is going to be the key to all of it right and that's why I constantly bring up Alberta's testing totals because they're testing at the highest rate in the country. Uh, and because I, I think it gives us a truer indication of what we're really going up against when you're testing. Well, if you take a look at there was a memo that the NBA sent out, like when the NHL sent out the note last week, uh, or, or sorry, earlier this week, saying that 
we might be getting to the next phase and a new uh, and they'll be giving more instructions likely next week about how the next phase could work. Um, the NBA sent a memo about when they do open their team individual team training camps, what kind of testing they're going to be looking at. And it's pretty extensive. So I can't imagine that the NHL is going to be looking any differently. It's going to be pretty extensive. So anyway, that report you mentioned by Larry Brooks uh, said that maybe you play games at home instead of going on the road or being on the hub, excuse me, for months. Now, there's a reason I think a lot of these things are coming out. All right, why? That, that is that all the leagues had to, had to submit like a plan to the U.S. government. So when that baseball report came out about maybe teams playing at home and the divisions being three instead of six, east, central, and west, I think it's because that was their plan. And baseball talked about playing at home, and I'm sure some players said, well, if they can play at home, why can't we play at home? I will say this. Most people I've spoken to today, and you can ask the deputy commissioner, have told me what Larry indicated is not going to happen. Now, I did have one team tell me that they heard something like that, but they're, they have no idea if that's actually going to happen. So right now, as I talk to you at this moment, it seems like that's an unlikely scenario, Bob. So it's unlikely that the teams would be playing at home. It's more likely that if they are fortuitous enough to get started, we'd be looking at play-down sites, like potentially yes. a Toronto yes. or Edmonton. Yes. And How Dallas much was in the mix. Yeah. Vegas, Minnesota, uh, Columbus. Those are kinds of the places we're looking at. What sort of threshold do you think, like, in terms of the potential host cities, is this like the Olympics where you have to put together, like, a bid? Pa- I'm assuming. Yeah, there's a bid. There's, like, a bid package kind of thing, yes. Okay. And, and in it is how many, without being trans, without transportation, how many, how much ice is available? Okay. Okay. How many hotel rooms are available? Um, you know, Toronto, while they have the rink right downtown, you're going to have to bus guys to practice. Yep. I think that, you know, I mean, I, I, you know, that's, um, you know, that, that's one of the things there. You guys have a practice facility right there. That helps. Um, you know, one of the other things that works in Edmonton and Toronto's favor is cost. Yep. Cost is absolutely a big deal. And you know, our dollar's at 70 cents right now. That helps. So I think it's things like how much ice is available, how big's your building, you know, are there enough dressing rooms for all the teams, um, you know, how many hotel rooms are available, how easy is it going to be to keep you as quarantined as possible, all that kind of stuff is part of it. And obviously what the COVID situation is like in the respective and, market. Yes, like what the COVID situation is like. Like One of the things guys have told me is that one of the situations, I think we've talked about this, 
one of the places from a purely logistical standpoint that makes a lot of sense is Buffalo. But New York State, I don't know if the optics are great. And, you know, there was that report yesterday out of the NBA, Bob, that they may put, they, they may put the teams at Disney World in Florida. Right. And, like, one guy in the NHL told me that at one time he heard a possibility was you put the NHL teams at Disneyland and you use Anaheim, L.A. and their practice rinks to work on it and, and, and to, to play there. And, of course, California is probably a no-go. Like, there was a report today that um, the NBA, all the NBA teams in California are going to ask their governor for permission to open up their practice facilities because right now gyms are not allowed to be open. We'll see what happens. Yeah. And California, just so the listeners know, as of yesterday, California had roughly the same amount of deaths COVID-related as the province of Quebec with roughly one-fifth of the population. So California they're also announcing that everybody in Los Angeles can now get a test, right? Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, like, I, I just don't think that makes sense for the NHL to go to California or New York, obviously. Well, not to mention, how are those three teams doing in the state of California, in the Pacific Division? They're all on the outside looking in right now. Um, yes. So we expect, like, theoretically, Elliot, do you expect a divisional play-down site for each of the four respective divisions? Yes, I, I, I would expect that. Um, you know, I, I think that, I like like, I think if you go into a... If you go into a hub, you're not – like, you should ask Bill this because he's I'm going got to. the obvious answer. But how do you see a crossover happen? You don't. Exactly. Now, they haven't said that for sure, but that's what all the GMs are expecting, or at least the ones I've spoken to. We had Jerry Johansson on the show on Tuesday or Wednesday of this week. Oh, it's good to see Jerry return a phone call. Well, you know, there's something to be said about those unique Alberta relationships, Elliot. Yeah, yeah there sure is, yeah. Uh, you're more likely to get one from Kurt Overhart, who had some interesting concepts, and I'd, I'd like you to maybe <laughs> present it in a fashion for full uh, perspective here. There's because at least I, one general manager who will never forgive me for having a friendly relationship with Kurt Overhart, yes. Oh, oh really? Yes. <laughs> okay, I'm not even going to ask. Is I'm he still, not going to tell you. Is he still a GM in the league? Yes. Uh, did he just win at Stanley Cup? Uh, no, but that's as far as you're going. All right. Uh, so maybe Cole's notes version because it was uh, – uh, you know, we, we've seen these sort of things be suggested, and there's nothing wrong with people having diverse opinions on things. Right. Right? Like, anyhow, uh, what was the gist of what Overhart was suggesting on Monday of this week? Well, I mean, what he was suggesting was the idea of, I think the funniest thing about it was, after it got tweeted out, his... Uh, his uh, his his company is called Ko Sports, and their yeah. website crashed. They couldn't handle the amount of people wanting to get on and read about it. So, what he is talking about is the creation of an exception player. I called it an exceptional player, but technically he doesn't call it that. He calls it an exception player, 
where a team can go over the cap stating one uh, exception player uh, per roster. And I, I don't know if he put this in there. Uh, I couldn't remember, but my, like, there's no way they're just going to go with that on its own. But the one thing I do believe, Bob, is I'm also hearing from the people I talk to that the owners are really against compliance buyouts. Like, you know, there's a lot of talk about how much of a burden the players are going to have to eat, and it is significant. But these owners and their businesses are losing a lot of money. Some of them, like, like everyone else is, right? Like nobody's yes. getting through this on skate. Uh-huh. And, you know, they're saying, look, we don't want compliance buyouts. We don't want money outside the system. So, you know, if the cap's not going to go up and very likely it's going to stay the same and might be like this for two or three years, you know, some teams, including your own, are going to feel a squeeze. And his idea was you have one player whose salary doesn't count against the cap. And what you do is, and my suggestion is, if you're ever going to agree to this, any team, like if you, let's just say you say Connor McDavid, is the is your exception player. Yep. So now you can go over the cap by twelve and a half million dollars. But you have to pay a one hundred percent tax on McDavid's contract. So you can go over twelve and a half million, but you have to pay an extra twelve and a half million that goes into uh, a fund, like a, a revenue sharing fund. Now the one thing that I really believe out of this, and some people have not been pleased I've said it, Bob, is that the NHL is going to need its big revenue teams to be good to get out of this. The Rangers, the The Oilers, the Leafs. Did you say the Oilers are a big revenue team? Yeah, they are. Okay. Absolutely they are. That first year in your new building when you made the playoffs, uh you guys had a big revenue year. The Oilers, since 0405 lockout, Elliot, all but one year, Edmonton has contributed to revenue sharing. Yeah, there. I, I, I know your feelings on this. I've heard this before. My point is, is that it's it's something a lot of people don't like to say, but they're going to need their big revenue teams to be good. And maybe people don't like to hear that, but it's true, and or at least relevant, and. If you can give, let them flex their muscle a little bit, although they have to pay a penalty that can go to the other teams, uh, maybe it's time. Now, Bob, it probably doesn't happen. I would say it's 95% it doesn't happen. But these are the ideas we need to think about. All right. How about a different idea? If we don't play, yeah. how can we possibly have an 80, $81.5 million cap moving forward? And well, are I mean, we... like everything can change, Bob. Like nothing's nothing's cast in stone. Right. But I like... believe in a conversation that the league and players are having. Like uh, one of the things I've heard that's been kind of thrown out there. Um, I don't know. Is that I heard at one point because you know the players are going to have to pay a, a, a ton of escrow next year. Yes. One way or the other. Is that I heard that there was some conversation about what if the cap is lower. And I heard what the league's response was, we'd consider it as long as it came with some kind of, like, uh, salary adjustment. Apparently they're not using the word rollback. Because That's where I, you cut me league. off. That's where I was going. Yeah. 
Well, I don't think the players necessarily want that either. But well, I of course they don't. Who wants the rollback? <laughs> yeah. Like, all these things are probably going to be talked about. So that's why I think the cap is going to be the same. Yeah. Uh, and there are different mechanisms to get out. Yeah. It, you know, you don't have to qualify every restricted free agent. Just remember that in terms of how teams can maneuver and work around. Well, I, I definitely think that is going to be an interesting one. Like, I put on my notes this week, Bob, that one of the biggest n- questions this year, and it's a quiet one, is what every year there's a, there's, a, there's a number in salary arbitration that if the award is above that number, and last year it was about $4.3 million, a team can walk away from it. That's going to be a big one. Because if there's a squeeze this year, the guys who go to arbitration might be the guys who feel it the most. Well, it's interesting. We have listeners that they love Ethan Bear. Ethan Bear does not have arbitration rights. So all you yeah. need to do is look at a guy like Anthony D'Angelo that was with the New York Rangers and take a look at what he got on his deal. And yeah. it's it's it behooves Oilers general manager Ken Holland, unfortunately, for a year, he has to use the system to his advantage with Ethan, even though yeah. Ethan's been terrific, because the Oilers probably at this time can't afford moving forward for the 2021 season to you know give him a long-term deal in the say Oscar Clefbaum range. But a year from now, you might be having a different conversation. So, uh, and that's before we got into the uh, the uh, whole uh, pandemic uh, scenario. All the agreements got extended by a year as well, Elliot. We've seen a proliferation of players signed. Uh, did you find it interesting that Dan Milstein was one of the guys not recognized by the Russian governing body for the KHL? You know, I, I don't know what to make of that. Uh, like, I'm still trying to figure out what that means. Like, they're, like not only Dan Milstein, but Paul Theophanis does a lot of uh, yep. deals with Russia. Um, Mark Gandler, of course, does a lot of deals with Russia. Like, I don't, I don't have a full handle on what that means yet. So I don't want to go off half-cocked. Like, as you know, sometimes when it comes to... Um, dealing with these kinds of things, we don't see everything that meets the eye. So I'd rather try to figure out what this all means before I spout off about it. Absolutely. Well, uh, you know, and we've already got guys joking around, texting, saying, uh, Bob, obviously uh, Milstein and Theophanis didn't buy somebody off, and that's why they're not. <laughs> well, I mean, like, that's the thing. Is there, is, there, is there a fee that you have to pay? Yeah. Like, I don't know. Like, I don't know the answer to this. Look, it was like, a... Uh, like, like, in the NHL, and the NHLPA, the, the Players Association certifies you. If yes. You have to go through a process. And if you go through that process, you're certified. I have no idea what the process is over there. It's uh, its its own world unto itself, right? I mean, Craig McTavish, who uh, was put on TSN's all-time team, uh, he got eight games in before he was uh, dismissed over there. Oh. I, and I know it was a TSN thing, but we got to – I just quickly – Alish Hemsky was on the Oilers' all-time team. And I personally got a lot of time for Alish Hemsky. And I wanted to take you back to 0506 because you were working at for CBC. Yeah. Um, I mean, do you think he's an underrated oiler all time? Like, when you think of the great oilers, you don't think of Hemsky. But for a number of years, he was a pretty dynamic player, Elliot. He was a really good player. I think you know, the, the tough thing is that 
I think it's easy with all the success the team had, and now you're in the moment, so you see the great players they have now. I, I think a lot of guys like, you know, Doug Waite probably, never mind, probably, he didn't get credit for what a good player he was. Right. Bill Guerin didn't get enough credit for what a good player he was. Like, Jason Smith was another guy who didn't get credit for what a good player he was. Like, I, I think there were a lot of guys in that era who didn't get credit. Like, I saw some people bitching today about Craig Simpson. Like, I, I think there's guys like even Simmer who played who probably people don't recognize how good he was. I think when your top is Kevin Lowe, Mark Messier, Yari Curry, Paul Coffey, uh, you know, Wayne Gretzky, uh, all, Grant Fuhr, all those players, um, you, I think there's probably about 20 guys who get buried because of how great your top end is. Yeah, well, just look at the center position alone. Gretzky, Messier, McDavid, now Dreisaitl. Uh, I mean, those guys stink. Yeah, absolutely. Like in, the, Ellie- in, the, in the in the Toronto one, which I guess they're releasing next week, they're already kind of warning people that Dave Keon w- wouldn't be on the team. Like I grew up with with a, people a generation older than me that would riot in the streets if you told them that. Dave Keon was my first idol as a kid playing hockey, and then I morphed into Guy Lafleur. Yeah, I can't blame you for that. Guy Lafleur was a hell of a player. I love. He him. was a hell of a player. Elliot, great stuff, man. I appreciate your time. All right, Bob. Have a great weekend, okay? Absolutely. That is Elliot Friedman from NHL Hockey and Rogers. 12.55 in Edmonton. Off to a global news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell. And when we come back, NHL Deputy Commissioner Bill Daly. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio. 630 Chad.